morning and welcome to our Cross Connection online broadcast and happy Mother's Day to all of our moms. Moms are a very special part of our lives and very special to us at Cross Connection Church. We are grateful to God for them because to be quite honest, we wouldn't be here without them. They have a really hard job and some of us, as I've shared many times before, made it even a little bit more challenging for our moms. So I think it is good and it is right that we thank them, that we thank God for them, and that we set aside some time to honor them at least once a year. Hopefully we do that more than just once a year. So if you are a mom that is watching this, thank you. And may God bless you for your faithfulness and for your commitment to your family. We pray that today is a blessing to you and that hopefully you feel honored and you feel cherished because you are honored and you are cherished and God has given you a very high calling. And so we pray that God would bless you in the midst of that and that he would further equip you to do it well as unto the glory of God. In addition to Mother's Day, I have a few other things that I'd like to share with you this morning before we spend a little bit of time in the scriptures together. First, I wanna share with you some changes that we are making here at the church, some changes that we are really looking forward to. As you may know, if you've been around Cross Connection Church, if you've been connected to our church for any length of time, we have a truly great ministry team here at the church. And we are currently in a season of shifting responsibilities. We're kind of moving some pieces around in our ministry team. And this really is a good thing and something that we have been thinking about and talking about and praying about for a while. And with church effectively shut down for more than a year, not the way that we wanted things to be, but as it has been shut down for more than a year and as we are adjusting and responding to changes, this whole period of time gives us a great opportunity as we're winding things back up and bringing all the different things for Cross Connection Church back online. So this is a perfect time for us to make a few adjustments. So beginning next week, May 16th, our biggest change is that Pastor Jason, Pastor Jason Brower, who has been pastoring our youth for nearly two decades, will be officially shifting to be our family ministries pastor. He's actually had the title family ministries pastor for several years, but we are now going to be making the actual move for him to begin to oversee family ministries from the littlest babies all the way through young adults and then hopefully uh, developing different ways for us as a ministry to minister to young families, to parents, and to children. So that means that we need to shift someone to take on pastoring our high school ministry. So again, beginning next Sunday, Pastor Garrett Hatch will be leading our youth ministry. Garrett has been a great blessing to our team the last probably five years or so. And he really has proven himself to be very faithful and capable in so many different areas of ministry. We've thrown a lot of different things at Garrett, just like we really throw a lot of different things at all of the people who serve in any capacity here on our team. And Garrett continues to just be able to handle a lot of those things really, really well. And as he continues to grow and to develop in leading and teaching, we've felt that 
this shift would be uh, a really beneficial move for both him and also for our youth ministry. I really think this is a great move. And, and I am looking forward to seeing God work through Pastor Jason as he's in the role as the family ministries pastor and through Pastor Garrett as he's in this capacity working more closely with the youth ministry, high school, junior high, helping oversee and develop some of the ministry there, uh, especially since some of my kids are starting to move into that age and stage of life. So uh, hopefully he'll be hitting the ground running and being able to handle all those things as he moves forward. So we're not moving anyone off of our team or at this point, we're not bringing anybody new on. We're just moving pieces around as we sense the Lord's leading in this. And it just seems like, seems good to us in the Holy Spirit that this is the right time to make a few of these adjustments. But I would ask you to continue to pray with us and for Cross Connection as I believe we are moving into a new and fruitful season of outreach in our community. Our community right here on campus and within our church but also our community beyond the walls of our facility or the boundaries of our facility here. I believe that God wants to move us into a lot of fruitful ministry in the community. And I'm convinced he's already doing that. We're looking forward to him doing it more fully. And we're actually gonna talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes when we get into the, the bulk of the scriptures and what I wanna look at for today. But that's the, the first thing. Second thing I want to share are some of the changes for our online gatherings. As we are in this new season of ministry, we've seen, as have all the other churches in our area and really throughout our nation and the world over the last year, that we need to have a solid online outreach. And I feel like we've done a good job of developing that in a big way over the last 14 months. Um, Pastor Nick, who runs all of our tech and media creation and development production, He's kind of been thrown into this full bore about 14 months ago. And you may remember if you've been around here for a while, he was our junior high pastor in about, until about two years ago. And then we moved him into media creation and it just so happened by coincidence, of course, that he was in the right place at the right time to help us move into this period over the last year where we, we really needed the ability to create and produce on, online content. And so, we recognize, as do the other churches and ministries in our area, the need to have a really focused ministry online. When the Apostle Paul and the other early church leaders first began to minister the gospel throughout the world 2,000 years ago, they sought to outreach to people where they were, which for Paul meant that he would often target large cities in various regions the largest cities in Galatia on his first missionary journey. If you go to about Acts chapter 13, the largest cities in Galatia were Lystra, Iconium, and Derbe. And then the largest cities in Macedonia and Paul's second missionary journey were Philippi and Thessalonica and Berea. And then of course the largest cities in Greece were Athens and Corinth. And then on his third missionary journey, the largest city in Asia Minor was the city of Ephesus. And then, of course, ultimately Paul made it to Rome. So wherever Paul went to spread the gospel and to plant churches, most often he would try to target those places where there would be the most people in, in places like Corinth and Ephesus and Rome. Paul worked to share the gospel in places that would have the largest impact and that 
proved to be a very effective and I believe God-directed strategy as he did that. I mean, what we are doing here at Cross Connection Church 2,000 years after the Apostle Paul went to a place like Philippi, uh, the first churches in the region of Europe, really this is still an ongoing product of Paul having that strategic and targeted approach trying to reach as many people as he could. And when Paul would go to those large cities, he would go to the marketplaces and he would minister where all of the people would be gathered together. So Paul was very strategic in his outreach. We recognize that our world today in 2021 gathers together online. So we want to be just as strategic as Paul would be, I think, if he were living today in our outreach in our time which is why we produce our online content in the way that we do. The message online, it's the same message that I deliver here in the sanctuary on a Sunday morning on campus, but our online message, though it's the same basic message, same fundamental message, it's produced for this environment. It's produced for our online environment. And we're not going to just live stream what we do here on campus for our Sunday services because we think that this is a better approach to be able to reach not just the people who call Cross Connection Church their home, but maybe also to reach people who are far away from this area in North San Diego County to be able to reach them through online venues like this. And I think that we have proven over the last 14 months that we can do things pretty well when we do it this way that we are doing it. But we are going to adjust our online gatherings just a little bit in the coming weeks. Beginning on May 23rd, so a couple Sundays from now, you're going to see that our online services will still be produced like this for an online gathering. And it will still be the same message as what you would hear if you were here on campus on a Sunday morning. But worship online is going to be a little bit shorter and the services will be a little bit more streamlined. Over the last 14 months, we begin our online service with an introduction and then a time of worship and then announcements and more worship and then a message and more worship. Uh, we're gonna be kind of tightening that up and changing it a little bit. So if your primary way of interacting with Cross Connection Church online is online right now, then in a couple weeks, you might see a little bit of a change. But understand, that's just because we're still trying to do our best and reaching people with the, the available channels that we have. Also, we're no longer going to be using our live service tools at live.lifeinconnection.com. So as it has been for the last many months, on a Sunday morning, we send out a text message to people and we put stuff out on our email um, and on our website where people can watch at live.lifeinconnection.com and, li and, and then youtube.lifeinconnection.com. So we have these two different areas where we premiere our messages and kind of broadcast them. And it just seems like in some ways those things are competing a little bit. So what we're gonna be doing as we move forward beginning uh, May 23rd is that now we're gonna premiere our 9 a.m. service on Sunday morning only on YouTube. We're gonna focus our efforts on YouTube as an outreach because really that's where people are. I'm sure you notice that we, all of us, use Google and YouTube for a lot in our society and maybe too much. And I think perhaps those two properties that are owned by the same company, they may, may be inviting some, some further and maybe well-needed scrutiny by world governments, including our own. But for the moment, Google is the most trafficked site on the internet. It's the number one search engine on the internet. 
And YouTube, also owned by the same company, is the number two most trafficked site on the internet, the number two largest search engine on the internet. So we want to target our efforts where people are at and to try and reach the most people possible, exactly as Paul would have done when he went to Ephesus or when he went to Athens or when he went to Rome. He was targeting his outreach for the greatest impact or the greatest effect. And so that's what we're going to be doing by focusing our attention on YouTube, which will for now be our primary source for online video content. So with all of that said, I want to invite you, if you are an online only viewer, maybe you were attending Cross Connection Church before the COVID shutdowns and you haven't been to church since that period of time, or very possibly, and we know that we've been seeing this quite a bit in recent months, you have connected with Cross Connection Church only online. So your only interaction with this church has been through YouTube or through our website. And we're super grateful that you're here. God has used this period of time to extend the borders of Cross Connection Church to reach more people. But I wanna invite you, if you are an online only viewer, to prayerfully consider joining us here for an on-campus gathering at some point in the not too distant future, if of course you live in this area. I mean, some people are watching this in places like India and in places like the Philippines or other places in the United States, and that's super great. But if you live in North San Diego County and you've never been to our campus here in Escondido or you haven't been here for a long time, I would just like to put that out there that it's an invite Come on out and join with us right now. We are gathering on Sunday mornings at 10.30 a.m. And I'm quite sure that we will be adding more service options and opportunities um, as we need them in the not too distant future. It has been a blessing and a joy to see our church gather together here for worship. We were doing that for quite a while on Sunday evenings, Sunday afternoons outside. Uh, but since Palm Sunday, we've been gathering together here at 10.30 a.m. on Sunday mornings. And it's been a real blessing to be able to fellowship with one another and to worship together. And of course, one of the highlights for a lot of people when they come to Cross Connection Church here on a Sunday morning is to, of course, get uh, a donut together. So all of that has been a real blessing. But know for certain that our focus on campus here on Sunday mornings and online and in homes through our connect groups is the focus that we are gonna to continue to have as we move forward. So we will be continuing to produce content and to provide opportunities for people to connect online from now on. And we recognize that 100% of people who check out Cross Connection Church do so online before they ever visit us here on campus. Now, I know it's hard to say 100% of anything, but it's pretty, pretty close to that, that most people, probably 100% of the people, if they're going to visit Cross Connection Church, they're gonna come online first, which is why we wanna provide our online services and we'll be hopefully providing more online content this year beyond what we do on Sunday mornings. So, I would just encourage you to make sure you continue to check back, subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you haven't subscribed already, subscribe to it and make sure you click that little bell icon so that you get notified when we put more content out there. Because our hope is, as we have this strategy of reaching more people online, that we're not only reaching people through our Sunday morning services online, but that we'll put other content. Which I should remind you, if you haven't done so yet, 
you should check out the content that I have been putting on YouTube at my own YouTube channel. You can find my own YouTube channel just by going to pastormiles.com slash YT, pastormiles.com slash YT, like YouTube. And I'm putting between four and five videos a week up there for devotions, discipleship, and just going through the scriptures. So check out those videos. Um, one of the series that I put up there is called Coffee Time. If you haven't checked it out yet, just go to pastormiles.com YT and check those out. And I think you'll be blessed by them. So beginning May 23rd, Sunday, May 23rd, our online services will change just a little bit. And we're going to be beginning a new series on that Sunday as well for our summer studies. So you might want to note this down. Beginning May 23rd, we're going to start a 10-week study through the Old Testament book of Esther. And I really am looking forward to this. I sat down with Pastor Jason and Pastor Mark the other day, and we kind of mapped out some of the things that we're going to be doing through the 10 weeks um, from the end of May through to the end of July. And just looking at the book of Esther, it, it seems to me and it seems to Pastor Jason, who's actually been studying and teaching through that with the youth a little bit, and Mark's been looking at it as well, it seems as though there are some really great things in this Old Testament book of Esther that have some real connections to our day and some of the things that are happening in our time and in our culture. So things that happened thousands of years ago in Persia with the people of God and this woman named Esther, they have application for us living in 2021 here in Southern California in the United States of America. I really do think that God has some some things for us to learn to be challenged by and encouraged by in the book of Esther. So if you have some time, you have a Bible, maybe read through this week the book of Esther or over the next 10 days. There's only 10 chapters and familiarize yourself a little bit with the story of Esther because I think that there's some really important stuff in that book for us for such a time as this, which happens to come out of that book. So now that I've chewed up a lot of time with all of that, I do want to share with you from the scriptures this morning or some themes from the scriptures that have to do with this vision that we've been putting forward for many years at our church. The last four weeks, we've been talking about our mission and our vision as a church. And I shared with you many weeks ago, and I've shared it with our church before over the years as well, that the church, and when I talk about the church, I'm not just talking about Cross Connection Church, but I'm talking about the, the gathering of the followers of Jesus that have been following him for the last 2,000 years, this church that Jesus instituted, that he called together, he has a purpose for his church. It is a biblically informed, divinely inspired purpose. And this is the purpose to which we are all called, and we have a mission as a gathering here in North San Diego County to fulfill that purpose. And we have a vision of how we are going to fulfill that purpose and that mission. And our vision here at Cross Connection Church is life in connection with God, one another, and the world through Jesus. We have shared that many times over the years. And for many years, we have started the year with a series talking about our vision. I take at least three weeks normally at the beginning of the year talking about life in connection with God, one another, and the world through Jesus. Now, we didn't do that at the beginning of 2021 because a whole bunch of stuff was in the air and we were trying to sort through how we were going to move forward. But now that we're starting to come into a new season and we have welcomed new people to our church in the last year, even under COVID lockdowns and shutdowns and restrictions, I feel that it's necessary and helpful to share this series again. In my previous talks, I've shared about connection with God 
and then connection with one another. And today, and hopefully next week as well, um, today's kind of a atypical day because it's Mother's Day and you know we're doing special things and I'm sharing some of the things that we're making some changes to. So this will take this week and next week, but today and next week I want to focus a little bit on what it looks like as we share that mission, life in connection with God and one another, as we share that with the world. And when I say with the world, I mean locally in our community here in North San Diego County, but also globally, hopefully. Hopefully we have a way of reaching people around the world, whether it's through missions and outreach or it's through technology. I mean, we have been given the ability, the opportunity to be able to reach further, faster with the gospel through technology that it any other time in history. I guarantee you, if the Apostle Peter or the Apostle John or the Apostle Paul lived today, they would be using every tool possible to try to reach as many people as possible. So we want to reach people locally and globally. As I've shared, we were born believers because we are created in the image and likeness of God. And we are created for connection with him. And not only are we created for connection with God, but we are made for connection with one another in a perfect communion. That's what God has made us for. And, and we actually desire that at the deepest levels. Although sometimes people who don't yet believe in God or believe in the scriptures, those people may not say it in those words, but they're still trying to connect with transcendence and they're still trying to connect with one another relationship. God made us in his image. And then he said, it's not good for man to be alone. Genesis chapter two, verse 18. And he made you and I to connect with him and to connect with one another, that we would not live solitary, autonomous lives. He made us to be united together as one in perfect communion. Of course, we recognize we are not born connected to God or to one another. In fact, there are very problematic separations between us and God and between us and one another. And this is because of sin. Sin is the biblical word for thoughts, words, or actions that are inconsistent with everything that is true and good, beautiful, or right. Sin is disobedience to God's law. In the book of 1 John, the Bible explicitly says sin is lawlessness. And since God's law is a manifestation of his character, sin is always thoughts, words, and actions that are essentially against God. And that's why we are born disconnected from God. God made us for connection, to be connected to him and connected to one another, but we are born disconnected. And sin also has caused not only the separation between man and God, but a separation between people. And I think you'd probably agree that separation or segregation between people and between groups is more acutely clear now than maybe any other time in our lifetimes. What we are witnessing right now in our culture here in the United States, but throughout Western culture, so the United States and Canada and Western Europe and Australia and all these other places, we are seeing an increase in what, what should be or would be called tribalism. This increase in tribalism is because of our broken nature. And a lot of the things that are happening in, in the media, corporate news media and even entertainment media, and also through social media, a lot of the things that are happening through these different venues of media are aggravating or intensifying the tribalism. And this is not good. 
Understand, culture is important. And culture is created by the stories that we tell, the, the narratives that we have within a group of people. That's what creates culture. And the story that we are telling or the story that we are being told right now in our society is creating a culture that is shifting toward more tribalism, more division, more segregation, more separation. And this is not good. And, and for those of you who are a little bit older than me, and maybe you were growing up, you, you uh, were born in the 50s or in the 60s, you saw a divided nation, but things got better for a very long period of time. And in the last, say, 10 or 12 years, or maybe a little bit longer, we just see an increase in tribalism. And a lot of that has to do with the stories that we tell, the narratives that we're being told. And so it is not good, as we find in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, for man to be alone. And it is not good for man to divide up into segregated and separated tribes. Because every time, as you look through history, every time that humans do that, when they, they move towards separation, segregation, and division, every time that humans do that, it results in tribal conflict. About 10 years ago, actually a little bit more than 10 years ago, we had a really wonderful guest come to share here at our church. His name was Don Richardson. Um, Don went to be with the Lord in the last few years, so he's not with us any longer. But decades ago, many years before Don came and shared here, about 11 years ago, decades and decades ago, Don and his family were missionaries in, in Dutch New Guinea among a tribal group of people called the Sawi. And the Sawi people, and the other tribes around them were literal headhunting cannibals. And these tribes had been warring for generations. But God used the ministry of Don Richardson and his family among this group of people and some other missionaries to bring peace through the gospel. And Don tells that story of God's peace that came to these warring tribes in a wonderful book called Peace Child. And I would highly recommend that you take a look at the book Peace Child if you've never seen it. Another great book that Don wrote is called Eternity in Their Hearts. And if you back up a few weeks ago to when I started this series on Life and Connection, and I talked about how we were born believers, I shared from Ecclesiastes where it, it explicitly says that God has placed in our hearts eternity in our hearts. And so Don uses that concept in his book Eternity in Their Hearts. So you should check out those books. But I'm not going to do a, an in-depth study on Don's story today. You can check those things out on your own time in the future, and I hope that you will. But I bring up this story to make this very important point. We have a better story, and we need to begin telling it. Cultures are built and broken through stories, and we are watching the culture of the West, which has undoubtedly had its issues over the last 2,000 years. We wouldn't paint over those issues, those problems, but in, in, in net, it has had a powerful and beautiful story and impact in the world. We've seen some great things that have come up out of the West, more equality for people and, and more fairness for people and less oppression of people and more freedom for people. Really, that is a lot of what you see that comes out of the story of the West. Aside from the fact that there are problems, but go study any other culture. Do a little bit of anthropology and you'll see cultural anthropology. You'll see there's problems in every culture. But the trend in and through the West has been 
a fairly good thing. But we are watching the culture of the West at this moment be broken by a new narrative. And the story that is now being told is only going to create more division, more separation, more brokenness. And, and I would say it descends only towards increased tribalism. And anytime you have a descent towards increased tribalism, you have tribal conflict and tribal hostility, just like Don Richardson saw between these warring headhunting tribes. Now, I don't think we'll get back to that. I hope not. But there is a danger in what we're seeing. And I think that a lot of people sense that. In fact, I've talked with a number of people who have come to our church or connected with other churches in the last several months because of that, that they see these things going on and they recognize there are real problems. And that's where our culture is right now. And it seems to be headed in not the best direction. But as I brought up with Don Richardson and the way that he ministered to the Sawi people and he saw tribal conflict go away. Why? Through a better story. And we have a better story, one that we need to begin telling again. What is our better story? Well, I think Paul's letter to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, has a very brief and helpful summary for what is that better sum or that better story. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 19, Paul says, God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. This is the story that we have to tell. It is the story of the gospel. It is the story of redemption. It is the story of forgiveness and mercy and grace. And it truly is the story that we need to begin telling more boldly and more clearly. And this isn't just my story to tell as a pastor. God has committed to us, all people who are followers of Jesus, not just leaders in the church, not just pastors, not just ministers, not just evangelists. God has committed to us, the people of God, the word of reconciliation. And you and I are called to tell the story as witnesses of God's grace. We're called to proclaim the good news. And this proclamation of the good news is called, big word, evangelism. Now, when I say the word evangelism, some of you get a little freaked out. And I totally understand your initial apprehensions or maybe your fears because I remember being a part of a youth group right here at this church when I was in junior high school and high school. And I remember going through evangelism classes, how to share your faith classes, whether it was using the four spiritual laws or was using apologetics or it was using tracts or it was using EvangiCube. Maybe you've heard of those. There's all these different methods and ways, the way of the master and a whole bunch of different stuff that we would be taught and trained as kids in the youth group. And then after we were taught and trained, we would be taken out. And I'm not at all kidding here. This is what they did when I was like 15, 16 years old. We were taken to Tijuana. We were taken to Rosarito. We were taken to Ensenada. We were taken to Tecate. And we were sent out to be street witnesses. We would go street witnessing. And I remember at 15 years old, I, I still totally remember this whole situation at 15 years old, street witnessing to Americans, mostly semi-drunk college students on Avenida Revolucion in Tijuana on a Friday night. Now, 
Some of you who are watching this have been to Avenida Revolucion in Tijuana on a Friday night, but you weren't there street witnessing. When I was 15, I distinctly remember going with our youth ministry here and going down there on a Friday night. We were at a missions training center just outside of Rosarito, and we went to Revolucion, and it was like chaos. I mean, my eyes were opened as a 15-year-old there, and we were we were sent out two by two because that's exactly what Jesus did, you know, send them out two by two. And there were, there were leaders, adults kind of watching and making sure that we didn't get in trouble or anything. But we would go and street witness with people there in Tijuana on a Friday night. Or I remember when I was 17 years old being sent out to go door to door, go knock on doors and share the gospel with people and invite them to an outreach on the Navajo Nation in Kayenta, Arizona. And when I hear the word evangelism, I have like a little bit of street witnessing post-traumatic stress disorder from some of those experiences when I was in high school. But that's not exactly what I'm talking about when I say that we are called to evangelism. So let me put it to you this way. Have you ever eaten at a really good restaurant? Or have you ever bought a really great pair of shoes? Or maybe you drove a really great car, probably a Tesla. Or you visited a really great resort or a really nice Airbnb. And then after you had been there or after you had eaten at that restaurant or after you had driven in that car or wore those shoes or whatever it is, you started telling other people about how good it was. You, you could not keep yourself from telling people like, I had this great meal the other night at this wonderful restaurant. And so you have to start to tell people. Now, people who know me know that I'm an evangelist for things like Tesla and SpaceX and Apple computers and Reese's peanut butter cups. And, and here's something really important. Evangelism is a form of worship and praise. And it fulfills our joy when we do it. To illustrate this, I want to read an extended section of C.S. Lewis's book, The Reflection on the Psalms. But before I do, I should tell you, if you don't already know this, that C.S. Lewis, who is the author of the very well-known uh, very well-known children's series, The Chronicles of Narnia, which my daughter Evangeline is struggling to read right now in school. But C.S. Lewis, who wrote The Chronicles of Narnia, he was an atheist and he was a profound intellect and academic at Oxford University. And ultimately, he came to faith in Christ. And that's a necessary pretext for this reading of the reflections on the Psalms. Before C.S. Lewis came to faith, he had a real problem with the concept of praise and worship, especially with the Psalms. And he writes this book later on called The Reflection on the Psalms. He had a problem with the Psalms because there was all this praise of God and even God's calling people to praise him. And so having this problem, as he reflected upon it many years later, he writes this. The most obvious fact about praise, whether of God or anything, strangely escaped me when he was an atheist and didn't understand the Psalms. I thought of it in terms of compliment, approval, or giving honor. I had never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise, unless, sometimes even if, shyness or fear of boring others is deliberately brought into check. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistress, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, 
players praising their favorite game. Praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare beetles, or even sometimes politicians or scholars. I had not noticed how that the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious minds praised the most, while the cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised least. The good critics found something to praise in many imperfect works, and the bad ones continually narrowed the list of books we might be allowed to read. I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so they spontaneously urge us to join in with praising it. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmists, in telling everyone to praise God, are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about. My whole more general difficulty about the praise of God depended on my absurdly denying to us, as regards the supremely valuable, what we delight to do, what indeed we cannot help doing about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses, but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. It is not out of compliment that lovers keep telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete till it is expressed. It is frustrating to have discovered a new author and not be able to tell anyone how good he is, to come suddenly at a turn of the road upon some mountain valley of un unexpected grandeur, and then to have to keep silent because the people with you care for it no more than a tin can in a ditch, to hear a good joke and to find no one to share it with. The perfect hearer died a year ago. The worthier the object, the more intense this delight would be. If it were possible for a created soul fully, I mean up to the full measure conceivable in, in a finite being, to appreciate that is to love and delight in the worthiest object of all. And simultaneously, at every moment, to give this delight perfect expression. Then that soul would be in supreme beatitude. What is all of that about? I think that it can be reduced to this. When we delight in someone or something supremely, we cannot help but tell others about it. And the telling others about the thing or that person is the culmination of the joy of the person or the thing that we are praising. Our joy increases as we share the joy of our praise for the things that we praise with others. So evangelism, is a form of worship and praise. And God deserves our evangelistic worship. And as you worship him by telling others about him, your joy will increase. Our mission as a church is life in connection with God, one another, and the world through Jesus. We were created to live life in connection with God and live life in connection with one another. But sin devastated our relationship. Sin brought division and disconnection, but Jesus brings reconciliation. He reconciles us to God and to one another. And Paul makes this clear in Ephesians chapter two, which we have gone through quite a bit as we've been doing this study and we'll go through this quite a bit in the future as well. And if you experienced joy through the love and grace and mercy and forgiveness and peace that God has given to you in Christ, 
and the relationship that you've experienced with him and with one another through the gospel, then you should tell other people about how good that joy is. In the same exact way that you would tell them that the pizza you had at Killer Pizza from Mars is the best pizza you've ever had. In the same way that you would tell them that Apple computers are better than Microsoft monstrosities. In the same way that you would tell them that Cross Connection Church is the best church in San Diego that you've ever gone to, you should tell people the good story about what Jesus has done for you through the gospel. How he has brought wholeness in your life by bringing you back into connection with God and with one another. That's what evangelism is. It is the joy of expressing or, or giving the expression of the joy that you've received from God through the gospel. And this is the story that is far better than anything that we are being told in our culture. So next week, I'm going to have some more to say about connection with the world and, and why we do it and how we do it. But this week, I want to I close by saying that if you have received the joy of God through the gospel, it is your calling and your responsibility to share that good news of the gospel with others. And that may seem like a frightening thing to you. It really isn't. But it is your responsibility to do it. It's mine too. I'm not saying that I'm not a part of this responsibility, but this is why I'm doing this right here. But we need to share this good news. Our neighborhoods, our families, the, the circle of friends that we are connected to, the, the community that we live in desperately needs the story of the gospel because it is a much better story than the narrative that we are being fed in our culture. And understand, ideas have consequences. Some stories shape cultures for the better and some stories shape cultures in such a way that it brings much suffering and much destruction. And the story that is shaping our culture filled with all kinds of ungodly ideas and unholy narratives right now is, is going to ultimately bring about horrible consequences. That's what's happened in the past. I mean, you don't have to look back very far in history to realize that this is true. And that's gonna happen in our culture unless we get our act together as a church, as the people of God, and we begin taking responsibility to share the better story of the gospel with the broken world in which we live. And so that's what we want to be doing here as a church in the coming weeks and months. There are many people in our culture, many people that we are connected to, people you go to school with, people you live next door to, people you work with, people who are in your family, people who play, you know, their, their kids play soccer with your kids or play softball with your kids. We are connected with all kinds of people in our culture who have bought into a story that is bringing depression, it's bringing anxiety, it's bringing all kinds of conflict and division between people, and it's only increasing. But we have a much better story to tell, and it is the story of the gospel. It's the story of Jesus Christ and how he who knew no sin became sin for us that we might receive the righteousness of God and be restored back into connection with God and with one another. And we need to share that with people. And so as your pastor, I'm calling you, calling upon you to take responsibility for this evangelistic call that God has given to you. It, it does not have to be a frightening thing. You know, it does not have to be a, a scary thing, going and knocking on doors or going to Revolution. It is as simple as telling people 
the good news of what has happened in your life through the gospel, how that came to be in your life in the same way that you would evangelize your favorite products or your favorite restaurant. You do it all the time. You share with people all the time the good news about those things. And those things are far less consequential than the good news of the gospel. And so I want to encourage you that as we wrap up this series next week and as we prepare to go into the book of Esther after that, we are calling you as the pastors and leaders of this church to plug in and to get involved in sharing the good news of the message of Jesus Christ through sharing the gospel, evangelism. And, and we want you to step into that because that's a part of our mission. We love to gather together here and worship the Lord, going through his word and singing songs together and serving with one another and serving one another. We love to connect with one another in, in home groups and our connect groups and to pray for one another and all those sort of ways. But I want us, I'm, I'm hoping that God will work in us, that we will begin to have a greater passion for seeing people come to the knowledge of the truth by sharing the much better story of the gospel. Father God, I pray that you would do that work in us, your church, that you would give all of those who are hearing this message, maybe it's on the day that we're delivering it, maybe it's months from now, Lord, give us a passion to share the good news of the gospel with those people that we interact with, to in the same way that we share about our, our favorite pair of shoes or our favorite restaurant, that we would share the much more important news of what you have done in our lives through the gospel. Lord, pour out your spirit upon your church. Give us boldness, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.